Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Warning! This podcast contains spoilers for Episode 6 of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the event finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi, plus spoilers for Episode 3 of Miss Marvel. Be warned, if you haven't watched those things, watch them and then come back to us. is Jason Concepcion and welcome to X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Podcast, where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In today's episode on Previously On, we will give a heartfelt tribute to the great Tim Sale, who passed recently. Uh, we will discuss some Kevin Feige comments, talk about Wonder Man, talk about uh, Jon Snow coming back in the airlock. It's time to dive into Miss Marvel Episode 3 and Obi-Wan Kenobi Episode 6, a.k.a. the finale, a.k.a. Big Duel Episode. And if you want to jump around, of course, check out the uh, timestamps in the show notes. I'll give you all the details about the things we're talking about and who's we, who are the people that we're going to be talking about this stuff. I'll tell you who. It's the, my great co-host, the greatest to ever do it, one of the most knowledgeable and wise comics people out there. It is the great Rosie Knight. Rosie, how are you? Hey, hello. I'm hey. doing good. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. I'm in, I'm in Toronto. I was traveling all day, oh. so I literally just made it in. So I'm, I'm just appreciative of all you guys for, for making time for that. And we're going to be gonna be living it up, talking about all this in stuff. The in the Commonwealth. Does it feel like home? You're in the Commonwealth now. <laughs> you know what? It does because the, I, I was like, oh, I need to get some food to eat after we record. And the first place I found was like a biryani house. So it actually really does feel like I'm in <laughs> London. The guy really hooked me up too. So yeah, actually, it kind of does. I like to run there. I've been here for a lot of cool set visits. So it's nice to be back. All right. Let's jump in first with news. And a sad story, uh, Tim Sale, uh, who was admitted to the hospital for uh, uh, issues regarding his kidneys, has passed away. He passed away on June 16th. Uh, in a heartfelt Instagram post, Jim Lee uh, wrote, quote, Tim Sale was an amazing artist, draftsman, and storyteller. Beyond the tout chiaroscuro style, which became his trademark, Tim clearly put a premium on storytelling, clarity, and pacing, cherishing emotion above all. His stories were beautifully visceral, nuanced, and evinced deep humanity. Tim simply had no use for surface banality. And uh, it is a huge loss. Tim is uh, probably most uh, remembered for his relationship with Batman and yeah. uh, numerous legendary stories, most notably probably The Long Halloween, um, but also some great stuff with Marvel too. Daredevil Yellow is a favorite. Hulk Gray mm -hmm. is very good. Uh, uh, Jeff Loeb in there, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, and it's, it's really sad. Tim Sale, I think had a style that I think you could accurately describe as timeless. It looks mm -hmm. like it could have come from almost any era of comics or illustration history. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, this is such a loss and, and Jim did such a beautiful, kind of memorial of him and I just I think 
if you look at, especially like you mentioned The Long Halloween, this is a book from the 90s that is still one of the most influential Batman stories yeah. of all time. Every time a new Batman project comes out, they're looking back to The Long Halloween. That is Detective Batman. It's as seminal yeah. to a lot of people as year one. And that is absolutely because of Tim's art. It is just the most... It's really, it's kind of wild to to think that this year, you know, alongside George Perez, another DC yeah. icon, we lost two of the most iconic Batman artists with Tim Sale and Neil Adams. Yeah. You know, that, that it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really, it's a tough year if you love comics, it's a, but it's a it's, great time, as we always say, to go back and, and discover the amazing work that these creators did. Yeah, Tim had a... Um... When I discovered his art, he had a, he has a style that makes you want to try drawing because mm -hmm, it looks mm -hmm. you know I what I mean that. because it because yeah. it looks so simple and doable. It's very elegant. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to Jim's point, there is not an extra line or an extra bit of shading, anything like that. Mm -mm. It is it is a very clean, almost the the kind of illustration weight of something that you might find like in a newspaper comic strip that mm -hmm. that it's kind cartooning of, it's brilliant cartooning it's brilliant cartooning but at the highest level um, yeah and that's the that's the thing i think about when i think about tim sale he made he made me want to try drawing something because it just looked you look at his stuff and you think oh i think i could do that yeah and then you realize that you can't <laughs> but it, it made you feel like you could the myth of simplicity is that's yeah. part of that timelessness you were talking about. His, he makes it look easy. Everything looks effortless. It looks simple and slick. And when it's detailed, it looks organic. And you think, yeah. oh, maybe I could do that. And then you're like, yeah. no, I couldn't. But I I'm really glad can't. Tim Sale's doing it. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace to Tim and best uh, our best wishes to his family and loved ones. Yeah. Kevin Feige uh, has some uh, comments about what's coming next for the MCU. He's quoted in Games Radar as saying, quote, I think there have been many clues already there that are at least apparent to me of where this whole saga is going. At least apparent. Yeah. Kevin, I hope you should you know, are, Kevin. You sh it should you be should apparent know. to you. Because you're, you're literally making blessed. these choices. Yeah, you're blessed oh, wow. into the whole thing. <laughs> uh, he continues, but we'll be a little more direct about that in the coming months to set a plan so audiences who want to see the bigger picture can see a tiny, tiny, tiny bit more of this roadmap. And this is, I think, essentially what we've been saying, you know, going back to Eternals and certainly up through mm -hmm. uh, Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness. Um, and in the context of uh, uh, Feige, uh, his recent comments about a, a brainstorming session that was coming up, creative brainstorming session, that at least this slate of movies and, and MCU shows is something of a holding pattern while they figure out that, yes, they have Kang, but how that all ties together, there's a lot of moving pieces to that. And of course, uh, you know, huge movie crews and staffs mm -hmm. of writers and actors and stuff and all that stuff has to be coordinated. So I think that's coming together now. And it seems like just uh, an acknowledgement that, you know, to just state quite humbly that we were right once again Rosie, yeah we were i right. think we were right you know i think that there's i think that we have been very uh eager about deciphering mm -hmm. the seeds that have been sown and i would say that to people like me and you i would yeah. agree i don't think kevin's overreaching even though he knows what's going on yes. i think there have been seeds that have been sowed whether Agreed. it's kang because then we know that leads to the fantastic four right. it, you know whether it was seeing that place that absolutely, you know, look like Latveria in Moon Knight, which leads yeah. to Doom. You know, whether it's 
something we'll talk about later with Miss Marvel, but the introduction of all of these secret cultures. Yes. You know, these these secret worlds that all have different fighting styles and magic and techniques. We've seen it in Shang-Chi. You know, we've already got those established in Wakanda. We're likely going to see a version of Atlantis maybe in yeah. Black Panther 2, which we've always said feels like it's leading to a battle war world or secret wars. So I think that the... I think the hints are there, but I think this is really interesting because I want to know, I want to know what the bigger picture is going to be like. Who do you think that they're going to announce? I think the implication is like they're going to announce their next big villain, which we kind of thought was Kang, but we have also been like maybe he would be more of a, a ally and an antihero. So right. who do you think it could be if if they're going to kind of drop a big a big reveal about who the the next Thanos style villain could be? Well, if 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 the initial Marvel phases, one to three, or any kind of guide, then each step along the way, right, had their villain. So mm -hmm. Loki was there to kind of get us to Thanos, right? Yeah, and I think it's funny to think about similarly, that. Kang will be here to get us to whoever comes next. Now, if mm -hmm. we've got all these multiverses now and different dimensions popping up in, in every Marvel property, I think at a certain point they're going to want to shut that down. Yes. And just say, we've introduced all the things we needed to introduce. Let's cut it off and simplify things. And, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, secret wars or incursions, this idea of multiverses collapsing into themselves. We've We've already had a mention of that. Uh, in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, in the comics, after the incursions and after all these multiverses kind of squash in together, uh, there is a new reality that is created uh, to, by the will of of Doctor Doom with the help of Doctor Strange that is a, a, a battle world, and that is the uh, 2015 Secret Wars event mm -hmm. in which... You know, all the Marvel heroes live in this, uh, you know, uh, world that has like all these different regions and kingdoms, some with zombies, some with all these Thors in it. Uh, and s slowly, bit by bit, they begin to remember where they came from and they fight each other and then doom to return the world to the way it was. And there's also, of course, the uh, the original uh, 1984 uh, Secret Wars event, one of the great and most iconic money grabs in comics history. And the most successful. toyetic. The most the toyetic most <laughs> comic Jim shooter thing ever. You, you evil genius. You, you scamp. You scamp. You scamp. You, <laughs> everyone hate. I, I have to give Jim Shooter this. Everybody was like, this sucks. It's a money grab. Everyone he worked with was like, this is garbage. Mm -hmm. They burned Jim Shooter in effigy at Marvel. And he was right. This uh, uh, Secret Wars was a huge event, uh, introduced us to a, a, a bunch of different paradigm shifting things. Uh, Spider-Man's black suit came out of it. And the, the bad guy of that was the Beyonder. So I do wonder mm -hmm. if we get a Beyonder like yeah. incredibly powerful godlike reality shifting figure who forces all our heroes into some kind of battle world to fight. I think that the way we're going, it looks like they're probably taking from both the series, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. the 84 and the 2015, the black suit. We know that the symbiote now exists mm -hmm. in the MCU. Titania, who we're going to see in She-Hulk, she came from yep. Secret Wars. You know, and then we got the 2015 one. You know, perhaps we're not going to see a, you know, a Doom who studied with Reed as the first introduction. Perhaps we're going to see God Emperor Doom. Yeah. And kind of speaking to what you were saying about the notion of um, 
the MCU basically introducing a bunch of stuff and then wanting to streamline it, which is what we kind of always thought. It was a way for them to introduce new characters and kind of build out the world without going too wild. That is what Secret Wars did. Secret Wars was them attempting to streamline everything to the not officially called this at the time 616, which absolutely was 616, mostly Mars Morales. Wanting to bring that character from the Ultimate Universe into the main main Marvel Comics universe. So I think we're going to see something like that. And I'm really excited because like, I love the notion that we could just see like a Beyonder reveal or a Galactus reveal or something like that. Or we could all just get pranked again, like when they had this. <laughs> I remember like, I think it was, I don't think it was San Diego because I wasn't there, but there was a convention and they had these four figures underneath a big sheet. And they were like, this is like the most important reveal in Marvel history. And it was a big guy, a skinny guy. And we were like, oh my God, it's a Fantastic Four. Like, this is it. And it was the children of Thanos. I've never forgiven Kevin for that one. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm like, I want to know. I'm like, is this a real concrete? Is Kevin saying nobody's guessed it right? Like, I want to know what we're going to see next. Because it would be really nice to be surprised. But I think we're on the right track. Yeah, I think we're on the right track, too. Um, up next, a Wonder Man series is in development Ooh. for the MCU. Uh, this from The Hollywood Reporter. Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings filmmaker Destin Daniel Cretton has teamed up with Andrew Guest, uh, writer-producer on comedies such as Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Community. Community family very, very strong in the MCU, as we well know. Yes. Uh, to tackle a live-action MCU series featuring the longtime Marvel character Wonder Man, a.k.a. Mr. Hollywood himself, Simon Williams. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been waiting a while and talking uh, for a while about Simon, about the uh, appearance of Wonder Man. He's got to come through at some point. I see a little romance perhaps with Wanda brewing. We'll see. Seems like it could happen. Seems like it could happen. She's alive, by the way. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's alive. She's She's just in the Eldritch Orchard, like thinking about her sins, how she's going to make up for them or something, you know, in Krakoa. (laughs) But this is very exciting because Wonder Man is, has always been a favorite of mine. And I think, you know, I, back when I was first, Back when I was always poring over the uh, the official handbook to the Marvel Universe, I was mm-hmm. always like, okay, who's the strong? Who are the strongest guys? And Simon Williams, I think, is one of the most underrated, hundred class strong. Oh yeah, meaning can meaning has the highest measurable stats for strength uh, in the in the Marvel Universe in that top tier of strength, along with the Hulk. You know, not enraged Hulk, uh, uh, and Thor and others. And but has that really fun kind of like slightly self-loathing mm-hmm. like I was a Hollywood star and fallen on down on on kind of a downturn in my career. And now I'm in a relationship with the Scarlet Witch, but it's very complicated. Also, I'm very, very strong and I'm still trying to get my acting career off the ground. But I guess I'll give this Avengers thing a go for a while. He's just a fun, just a fun character to have around. Uh, uh, yeah, tell us I, about tell us about Simon. Well, yeah, Simon Williams, Wonder Man. I I'm very interested by this decision because this is. I don't I don't want to get lured into a false sense of security, right? Again, because like I feel like when, um, when they announced the Wonder Vision creative team, and we have Matt Shackman, who's uh, yeah worked on you know it's always sunny everyone was like oh yeah it's like and it's like 40s so it's going to be like a comedy like a sitcom da, 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 da. and we got absolutely pranked right yeah, yeah but i do think that you you know when you said mr hollywood like our eric diaz at nerdist wrote this really really great piece about how he thinks that that 
could be a great angle for where they're going, basically doing like Simon as a movie star. Yeah. Simon Williams premiered in Avengers number nine. So that's a super early first appearance. Uh, and that was Stanley, Don Heck, Dick Ayers, and yeah, and a lovely Jack Kirby cover. And interestingly, like, then he died and, and then he yes. became a villain. And right. I just think, I think there's so much there. I, I would love to see this be another situation like WandaVision where we're kind of taken by surprise and Same. it's something a little bit more, a little bit meta. But I also do love the notion of the superhero who's also an actor. That's one of my favorite things that they ever did with Hercules, who we know yeah. we're going to see soon. So I kind of love the idea that maybe they do just go for a bit of a broader comedy and there's some space that we get to see him and Wanda meet that's kind of in that WandaVision-esque, like, fantastical space. And also, I'm most interested to know, are they going to just, like, buff up Paul Bettany and get him to play? <laughs> I mean, it, it would be, like, a really fun, silly thing to do. And also, I wonder the other option that I wonder. This would be the darker version, and I think this does kind okay. of fit in, right? So in the comics, uh, Simon William gets his powers. I think he gets powers from like Baron Zemo at one point. Um, yes, the first time, I think. Yeah, he, he yeah. gets powers. And I could see a world, you know, we've dealt in the world of Power Broker. We're in this world of superheroes. I could see a kind of dark twist mm. on that story that fits more into the, the Dark Avengers or the Thunderbolts or whatever we think that they're going to do. And Simon William's beginning in that space and transitioning over because we know. I like that. And then you know what else? I suppose there's a world where you could still build in the origin of the vision having a brain imprint of Simon Williams' brain, which is what we see in the comics, because that could be something they try to do to Grey Vision. So right. I think there's a lot of ways that you could tie that in. But I also like, I, I kind of want to see that, but I also love this idea of like doing a kind of more like comedic, fun, like Hollywood hero version. I, I want to, uh, I do like that take only because I think that's the one that's most likely to deliver the iconic Simon Williams safari jacket to us. <laughs> yeah, baby. Uh, I, I'm still waiting for the Doctor Strange leopard print gloves, you know, like yeah. it's all about those weird old costumes. I wonder if, um, what about this? Now, I, listen, I'm not making a prediction, but this here's my pitch. Mm -hmm. uh, Simon Williams and his brother, Eric Williams, uh, better known as the Grim Reaper in the comics. Uh, Simon has a very hate-hate <laughs> relationship with his supervillain yeah. brother, the, the Grim Reaper. What if oh. there are supervillains first? And he's kind of working with Eric, but, you know, he's the reluctant one. You know, Eric's really the hardcore guy. And he's kind of like, I don't know. And then something, you know, they're in crime and Eric's like, let's get powers. And they some they talk to a power broker or Count Nefaria or Baron Zemo or whoever. Yeah. They get powers. Eric becomes a Grim Reaper. Simon becomes Wonder Man. And, and maybe that's how we start. I think that is a really interesting take because also like in the um in the 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 more recent vision comics, uh, I think it's Tom King and Gabriel Walter. Mm -hmm. Um the Grim Reaper is a big inciting point for that storyline. Yeah. And I just kind of, it just kind of blew my mind the idea that 
something that could really take everyone out of the blue that none of us would be expecting is just a vision series yeah. where it's vision gray vision who is free trying to live his life who perhaps has created this family or something and then comes up against simon williams and and the grim reaper you know i think that is a really interesting take and they're definitely interested in this morally gray space right at the moment whether it's wanda or any of these kind of you know uh, us agent yeah. uh, abomination you know, suddenly teaming up like <laughs> that's still I'll never get over that one. But like I I would be I'm very interested to see this feels like a character who has a lot of potential and could be a massive hit for them, kind of in the way Wonder was like Scarlet Witch had fans before the MCU. But now Scarlet Witch has like legions of obsessive fans. And Simon Williams seems like that could be another kind of lesser known character that you could blow up into like a big MCU hit. Up next, Jon Snow series, a sequel to Game of Thrones in development at HBO, this according to The Hollywood Reporter. Quote, HBO has entered into early development on its first sequel to the blockbuster fantasy drama, a live action spinoff series centered on the fan favorite character Jon Snow. Now, it continues. Kit Harington is attached to reprise the role. Should a series move forward, the actor, twice no- the actor was twice nominated for Emmy for his portrayal. Now, let's. Let's just quickly tap the brakes a little bit. And this also goes for Wonder Man series and development for MCU. In development, and specifically when they said, when they said here, HBO has entered into early development, that means they have an idea. Mm-hmm. They don't have a script. They don't have an outline. They don't even have a team. They just, <laughs> someone said, hey, if we find a good idea for a Jon Snow series, Kit Harrington, would you be mm-hmm. down to do it? Then he was like, yeah, sure. And yeah. that's what this is. Now, this is, someone was I'm like, not that saying would be don't nice. get excited. I'm just someone saying, like, that would be nice. Yeah, I'm just saying it's very, the language here lets you know that this is very, very, extremely, very cursory. Like there's no, maybe an NDA or something, but I this don't think there's any. This was probably just a, com- a, a positive conversation that got yes. some people excited. Um, I think this makes a lot of sense. And I think I've said it before. I think that if. If HBO had realized the importance Mm -hmm. of IP in the marketplace um, uh, back when they were ending the series, they would have – I think they would have done things differently. And I think that the fact that they're attempting to move forward with this or at least moving into a very, very early form of the production process with this lets you know that they think that too. And I think this makes a lot of sense. I agree. Yeah, Um, I agree. I think that they – they long to uh, to return to the days of of Game of Thrones being like the show, and you know what? It's a tried and true method it to is. just get a character that people like to come back. You know, uh, I'm intrigued. Spoiler: People like it when they see their characters that they love come back yeah. in a new story that they also love. We will be talking about a show like yeah. that just this week. Like, yes, you know, we what will. I mean, it's. It's it's kind of funny. I think you're so onto something there that's like, and I know that's been something you've talked about for a long time, but it still kind of blows my mind thinking about how they missed that in the moment, the power of kind of what that IP was and the fan base that it built. And it's yeah. it's interesting to see them, you know, a few years later, trying to work out the best way to kind of helm that going forwards and, and recapture that kind of lightning in the bottle. Um. Up next, Miss Marvel and Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) 
Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Stepping out of the airlock to talk about episode three of Miss Marvel and the season finale, series finale, season finale. Event, some... I believe they're saying event finale. <laughs> the event finale of Obi Wan Kenobi. First up, Miss Marvel, episode three. Destined teleplay by Freddie Cyborn and AC Bradley and Matthew Chauncey. Story by Freddie Cyborn, directed by Mira Menon. Uh, we open. In British-occupied India, 1942. Note, this is just a year before Steve, our good friend Steve Rogers, would undergo the uh, the legendary super soldier process. We see three figures uh, who we are soon to learn are named Namia, Faria, and Salim. They're digging through the rubble inside of some ancient temple, and they're in search of the bangle. We know exactly what that is. Faria notes that uh, it, they find it, and Faria notes that it's still attached to the arm of a blue-skinned corpse. Ah, uh, Cree. Okay. I mean, like this is Cree confirmation. So right? I think I think that Cree is where it's gonna go. I think it's right. important to note that we've seen uh, Yondu is a centurion, blue-skinned. Right. It looked kind of like him. Yeah. And also, there are occasional versions of Jin in Marvel comics who are blue-ish, but this looked like a Cree arm. I think we are meant to think it's Cree. Uh, Absolutely. That is, that is where I went, but we will we will find out more. They begin talking amongst themselves. You heard what the man from the temple said, says Namia. We would need two, meaning two bangles. So in other words, we still don't know where that other one is. Uh, then a woman who we suppose is either Kamala's grandmother or great-grandmother, Aisha, strides over to see the gauntlet. Uh, she pries the bracelet off the corpse. Um, we discover that the other one is they think has been looted by the British who have been into this temple numerous times, uh, then one will have to do, the woman says. And it, they very cannily call her soldier if you have the uh, the um, uh, the closed captioning on. Uh, but again, we, we surmise that this is either Sana or Aisha, um, but it's Aisha. We figure that out uh, yeah. soon enough. The British army arrives and all of a sudden the strangers have to flee or fight their way out. Aisha puts on the bangle as the temple begins to crumble around them. And the group separates in order to find our way out. And we go to the present. OK. Yes. And just before we skip to the present, because I didn't notice this until the second time, on the floor of the temple uh -oh. is the logo of none other than the Ten Rings. Bum, bum, bum! Bum, bum, Now, that is not going to be... We're going to skip to the present and we're essentially going to forget it, but let's remember it because we are in the artifact era of the MCU oh, wow. as we are calling it on X-Ray Vision. And I, I would assume... Era. I love the artifact era. I, I would assume that there is not... It's not a coincidence that there is a magical alien artifact in this space by the people who hold the magical, probably Eternals created artifact of the Ten Rings. God, I love the artifact. And by the way, we should add, you know, previous in, in earlier phases of the MCU, um, as we have talked about, you know, pre-mutation, 
there was you either got injected with something, there was mm-hmm. some kind of lab experiment, or you were a god or alien. Yeah. Right. Uh, now we're finding new ways. There we've uh, we've we've got artifacts. And we've got mutation. That, uh, and they give power or they unlock power. It's yes. very interesting. The artifact does not inherently empower anyone. It unlocks certain things within people. That is something that I think is really unique about I, the era we're in. I agree. Also, the I got to say that all the talk of the way the bangle unlocks, they don't say specifically DNA as such, but that's the way I took it, mm-hmm. also reads very Cree. Yes. Uh, that's the kind of science that they love. That's They love that shit. We go to the present. Namia flanked by uh, uh, her three compatriots, plus uh, Kamala's schoolmate Kamran now is telling Kamala this tale of the past, how they came to find the bangle and how Aisha came to be separated from them. Uh, it was the last time they saw Kamala's great-grandmother. Kamala uh, asks how they knew her. Namia explains... Uh, okay, sit down. Here we go. So we're all exiles from another dimension. That should have been the first red flag, by the way. <laughs> you know, you're right? Exile, when when you've done shit to such a degree that your entire dimension is like, go to a different dimension. Yeah. Like, we don't, wanna, we don't even want to put you in another world, off world in this dimension. We no. want you out of this dimension completely. Also, like, everyone in the MCU is really chill about, like, other dimensions. It's like one I'd, of my I'd favorite like, tropes. Wait, hold Everyone's on. like, I love that. oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We got it. I mean, to be fair, they did see, like, an entire Chitauri army oh, yeah. pour out of the sky. That's the thing. You know like, I mean? like, it works well yeah. in the context of the show, of, like, of what we know of the history. It's just really fun to see, like, people be like, oh, yeah, I love we know about the multiverse, like, another dimension, of course. I mean, of course you would think that when, like, Captain America exists in your world, and like you said, Chitauri <laughs> and Thanos. Yeah. Snapped way uh, off people. So Kamala is is pretty mind blown by all this. We d- we discover that the exiles are uh, uh, soon to be uh, named the clandestines. Are all very very old, perhaps centuries old. Kamala learns uh, as Adam, another exile, walks in with important uh, name. Remember that name. W- yeah, remember that name with Bluetooth uh, headphone on, singing uh, music. Namia mentions that Kamran uh, said Kamala was cute. Uh, which Namia agrees with, and we get an awkward and and very uh, wonderful, heartwarming little teen moment between it's the two of them. It's very cute. Later, Namia and Kamala have a private talk. We learn that Kamala donning the bangle is the thing that allowed uh, these exiles to uh, sense her presence, uh, which they feel as Nur, meaning light. Nur is how the exiles remain young. They are hundreds, perhaps, perhaps even older than that, years old, centuries old. Kamala's worried about, okay, I've got this bangle now, and with great power, you know, comes all the rest of that stuff, and I'm worried that putting this on is going to put everyone in danger. No, I mean, I was like, don't worry. You're awesome. Like, you everything's great. Isn't it great? You found us. Like, we found you, and you found your tribe now, and this is awesome. Isn't it great? Everything's so, 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 so good. And in fact, it feels almost too good to be true. And here yeah. you get that hint that, yes, it is. Because uh, Kamala is like, so, hold on a second. Do I have to give you the, do you want the bangle? Like, do I have to give it to you? And I'm just like, sort of. Uh, just let's table that conversation for now. Just keep this in the back of your mind. Your great-grandmother uh, wanted all of us to go home. And now that's your job. So we can work out the details later, but let's just <laughs> think about it. 
and that is when Namia says, by the way, we're called clandestines. Uh, you would know us as Jin, uh, you know, which another word for that is genies, basically. Like, yeah, the, it's, it comes it comes from the same uh, the same kind of folkloric history. Yeah, Kamala goes to see Bruno. She tells him about the Sartek drones, about the djinn, about her being potentially a djinn, about how Kamran was involved, and he's also probably a djinn. And P.S. I need your help, Bruno, because there's like interdimensional shit going on. And Bruno, <laughs> I love Bruno because he like, he takes this all in and then like waits a beat and then goes, Actually, I do think I can help with the interdimensional. <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, that actually, I think I read a paper on that. And I'm like, Bruno, I love you. He's I like, love that. And she's like, yeah, Eric Selvig, do you know him? Yeah, I'm like, I'm well, well aware of, of Dr. <laughs> Eric's incredible groundbreaking work and uh, almost getting uh, Earth colonized by Chitari. He did do that. But yeah. like, again, Thanks, brilliant, Eric. brilliant man. Um, and so Bruno's like, yeah, I can, uh, I, I can, let me dig into Eric's paper, and uh, I'm, I'm going to work on this. One more thing, Bruno says. By the way, P.S., I forgot to mention this, with all the gin talk and all the alien talk and interventional shit, you are trending. And shows Kamala the video from the I'd rescue. Uh, the Department of Damage Control rolls up to the neighborhood mosque. Uh-oh. Agent Deaver, who sucks... Sucks! <laughs> ...walks in, uh, flanked by other agents... And she wants to know about this uh, unregistered, unknown, enhanced individual who has been operating the area, seen on the video that is currently going viral on social media. Deaver is like, and, you know, it'd be great if I could uh, just take a look around. Nakia, not yet Badass. a board member, but running, running, uh, comes up and is like, um, you got a warrant? What's up? I know my rights. I know our rights. Where's your warrant? And Deaver tries the uh, the... You know, the traditional cop thing. Well, you know, it's like if you don't have anything to hide kind of thing, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But she does leave. Uh, and on her way out, Sheikh Abdullah is like, don't forget, hey, next time, please take off your shoes because that's, how, <laughs> I that's love that just whole respectful and how it's done here. It was uh, really Kam good. Kamala is in her bedroom and she cannot stop watching the video of her rescue. And I, you know, I get it. I re it's I so remember, teenage. It's, it's so, so authentic. I remember when I played in jazz band in high school and mm -hmm. we had our first concert and I had a solo and I watched that video like 400 times. <laughs> <laughs> and that was not viral. No one else saw that. It was on fucking yeah. like VHS. I watched it constantly and it was... This was like, man, that hit, just watching Kamala constantly watching the video of her rescuing a young boy. Nakia comes in distraught. She's like, the, uh, the fucking DODC came to the mosque. They're asking about this hero that uh, I'm calling, the, that she has coined the nightlight, which is actually kind of good. It's cute. Uh, <laughs> and, and somehow Nakia does not recognize that her f good friend is the spitting image of the hero and is... Uh, and was not around when the rescue took place. Was not anywhere to be seen. I guess it's that like they have. There's that psychological thing that they talk about where it's like if you were riding the subway and right. you saw someone that you knew really, really well, even like a family member or a friend, 
but you they weren't supposed to be there. Like you thought they were somewhere else. Yeah. You might not recognize them. It's like quite likely you wouldn't. So I guess they're playing on that. But also it's just like a funny narrative device. It's but I the like thing it. the thing that's really hard is like Nakia's like understandably pissed. Yeah. Because it's putting the mosque and their community in danger. And then Kamala's like so sad because she was absolutely gonna tell Nakia in that moment. And it's just like it's like those you wanna like shake them both and just be it's like, be great... honest, be honest. But it's so but well also done. Like a, also a very teenage mm-hmm. thing, you know, it's mm-hmm. like with boys it's different because guys starting in their teenage years when you start having like close guy friends and going on throughout your life, guys just don't Guys just don't say anything to each other. <laughs> my girlfriend is always just sitting like, around in silence. I hung out with a with a good friend of mine recently, and he, he was going through a vicious breakups. So I was like, I'm gonna go um, hang out with him, and went out, and we just you know chilled and hung out, and you know watched TV, watched movies, etc. And I came back, and she's like, Okay, so what happened? And I'm like, We didn't talk about it. She's like, What is wrong with you? What is wrong with men? <laughs> Just needed some time with the bros. Just needed some chilling time. But I, but I get it. Is what I'm saying. Like when you're when you're a teen, it's hard Ugh. to find the words. I for remember stuff. that feeling like so well, where it's like you really want to tell someone something that to you feels like it's like the end of the world, and yeah. you're so wrapped up in it that honestly they probably wouldn't care. And we get a really good moment of that at the end of this scene. Yeah. So. Uh, um, Kamala is a little freaked out because, oh, my God, the government after her. Um, So she's a little too shaken to really take in that uh, the information when Nakia says, hey, by the way, I won election to the mosque board. But then she warms to it and she's like, congratulations. It's a wonderful moment Uh, at the Mendy, the uh, pre-wedding henna celebration. uh, Kamala listens to her mother, Maniba, talk about her grandmother, Sana, who, of course, is not around to attend Amir's wedding, and folks are gossiping about the uh, the superhero. Who is it? Is it a person from the community? Everybody probably agrees that it's likely, you know, a brown Muslim girl. In the words of uh, Sheikh Abdullah, Muniba gives uh, is like, oh, by the way, Kamala, I've got this box that Bruno left for you. And Kamala goes outside to open it. Sheikh Abdullah follows her outside. He's like, why aren't you? You're you're isolating yourself. Why not? Are you not with your family? Why are you not with the rest of the party and Kamala? Um, and he have a, like a really wonderful mm-hmm. conversation in which he uh, imparts a, a quite a bit of wisdom. She's like, "Hey, what do you think about this new hero? Do you, like, are they good? Are they bad? What's your read? Um, how can this hero convince the neighborhood that she's actually a hero? That she's actually good?" And Sheikh says, good is not a thing you are. It's a thing you do, which I love. Yes. Uh, And that is like a really big moment because that is essentially, that is Kamala's um, with great power line from the the comics. And it's done so well here. One of the things I absolutely love that you never really get to see on TV is like, Kamala says to him, like, what do you think? And he's like, what do you think? And I was like, wow, this is like such a high functioning adult. Like, oh, he he just knows he just needs to like find out where she's at. And yeah, that line is like so powerful. I love it. It's really, really good. In the box, Kamala finds uh, that Bruno has made her a new and comics accurate mask. I don't know how Mm -hmm. it stays on, but however... I know, the magic of the Domino mask. Bruno is a fucking genius. Bruno is a fucking genius. It's probably like some molecular shit. Like, who knows? (laughs) Right, unstable molecules, as they say. Uh, and, <laughs> and I would assume also, like, a I think, costume, maybe I think some it's other the costume. Beginnings stuff. of a costume, because 
the way that this is going, I don't, I just feel like, I don't know how, because obviously the notion of the alter ego is such a big part of superhero comics. Though I do kind of love how in Kamala's case, she gets to have friends in on it. I think that's yeah. like really powerful and something we don't get to see a lot because like that's one of the biggest contradictions of superheroes is all the lies. You know, it's a Peter Parker problem. Like yeah. everyone you love is in danger because you're constantly just lying to them about like being a superhero. I, I feel like the way they're going with this and how brilliant her mom is at making clothes and stuff, I feel like that we're going to have to get a version of the costume that's at least I love that. partially yeah. unintentionally designed by her mom. I don't know. That would be really... I'm I'm soppy nowadays. I'm an old lady. I find uh, that stuff I mean, so their, moving. So I'm like, relationship, I, need, I would love to see it. It's so the, good. It's so good. It is really... This is some of the best just dramatic family writing mm-hmm. and community writing that has happened thus far. It's in, such a joy in, to in MCU watch. TV. Um, later at the corner store, Bruno is at work. Uh, and while he's at work, he's also crunching Eric Selvig's projections. And you see actually like you see diagrams very similar to the ones that we have seen mm-hmm. uh, Eric pointing at. <laughs> Most notably with that is <laughs> it is unhinged diagrams, when he, which he's explaining with uh, with only underwear on. Um, uh, Bruno is looking at that and he's also researching the gin. Uh, Yusuf comes in, uh, Kamala's dad. Um, and is like, oh, Bruno, what are you working on? Uh, and then notices that he's got all these papers uh, in Urdu. Um, and he's like, oh, I can help you with this. He begins to translate. He says, uh, oh, the jinn are supernatural beings of pre-Islamic folklore. Um, and he continues that there's legends about hidden jinn, exile to our world, forever searching for a way home. And of course, the way home is the bangle we know. Now, according yeah. to Eric Selvig's research, the same research again that allowed the Tesseract to open a portal to <laughs> space and then started to pour in. Interdimensional travel is possible. We know that. But like Eric with the Tesseract, you need a strong enough energy source mm-hmm. to open that portal. And so Bruno says to Kamala, yes, you can help the clandestine return. It is scientifically possible, but because of the power levels involved, like you could also, I don't know, blow up the world. Like that could mm-hmm, happen. Mm-hmm. And Kamala is mulling over all of this, her role in all of this, when uh, Bruno also says, and by the way, because I love you, I want to tell you that I'm going to Caltech, which is all the way across the country. Uh, and I just wanted to tell you that because I love you. And uh, he also promises, listen, I'll help you return the gin home. But, like, there's just really no safe way to do it mm-hmm. now. Let me continue researching. Later, Muniba comes up to uh, to Kamala's room and starts tending to some of Kamala's scrapes and scratches, the stuff that um, – the kind of small injuries that she incurred uh, rescuing the boy. Uh, Kamala, in a very roundabout and, again, very authentically teenage way, tries to ask about the thing that's on her mind mm-hmm. by seeming to ask about other banal kind of family shit. And Maniba frames her answer in the context of her own life as an immigrant um, in America, new a newcomer in America, saying, you know, we came here, we didn't know anyone, I didn't know where to turn, um, and I found a community in the mosque. Uh, mm-hmm. That became the locus of our our life. And she insists, listen, you, you might feel alone right now, but 
you have a community you have you don't have to face whatever it is you're dealing with alone um and of course kamala uh, now has a little bit of uh, of courage to face uh, the mission to return the jinn perhaps to their interdimensional home. But of course, first we have to deal with Amir and Taisha's wedding. Uh, and we go to the wedding. Yusuf counsels Amir that uh, uh, really touchingly ahead of the wedding. Mm-hmm. Again, like this is one Such of those. Such good parenting. I just, this is like. wonderful parenting in this. I love seeing a TV show. Like I feel like real life is really hard because parents are just humans. So like yeah. it can be very cathartic. To see terrible parents and be like, yeah, <laughs> but it can also be so wonderful to just see really loving, thoughtful parents. It's the stuff really with Maniba this episode and Yusuf as well, but like especially Maniba is is so well done and so heartbreaking. And as an adult, you just want to tell Kamala, like, just tell them, like just you can tell them. them, and you can tell from Absolutely the way just tell them. that they are behaving and the things they are saying to her and the honesty that they're coming to her with. She could tell them, and it's absolutely heartbreaking to watch that not be reciprocated. And yeah. you understand why, because when you're a teenager, something like you're so worried about getting in trouble. You know, Kamala's yes. terrified and of putting people in danger. Yeah. And plus, there's this whole other layer of it where, you know, what did her, uh, what did her grandmother do? What did mm-hmm. her great grandmother do? The way that story is talked yeah, about in the history to the of the black family sheep of the family yeah is that gonna make is she gonna be a black sheep so there's all these different cross currents of emotion happening that are keeping kamala from just telling the truth uh and but yeah you just want to shake her and be like just tell them they're mm-hmm. great what are they gonna do they're just they're fine um uh, this this moment with yusuf and amir is sparked because amir is like man i'm broke i got like 700 which by the way not bad. Not bad at not all. Bad. I gotta say, and there's. It was not that long ago that I would have gone, man. I got seven hundred. Dude, me too. I, I, good. I'm always like, look. I've been, <laughs> I've been the kind of broke where when you say you're broke, you literally don't have a penny in your bank. Yeah, so oh, I'm yeah, like yeah. seven hundred. I'm like that is the start of a savings. Like you're doing a- well. Absolutely. <laughs> I've been, the, I've been the kind of broke where it's like, I, let me put this bill on a credit card. Oh, yeah. I mean, dude, in, in England, they don't even let you get credit cards if you're poor, <laughs> which is probably a good thing in the long run. I know, but 100% also, like, is good. Also not good in the moment. So, no, yeah. I feel you. And I, I kind of love this. I really appreciate the way that everybody who makes this show weaves in all these moments. You know, yeah. this is something that Super Producer Saul talks, has talked about before, but it's like the specificity, you begin with that specificity that feels so unique and niche to one situation. But by doing that, you explode out this huge universal experience. And this is one of those things, these two people having this conversation that feels so unique to their culture and is very much in the lead up to this wedding. And it, But it hits every different version. You don't have to have gotten married. You don't need to be Muslim. You don't yes. even need to have a good relationship with your dad. There's just something in that fear of here's somebody I love here's a life I want to have can I do it yeah like everyone relates to that that's exactly right when storytelling is done well and and truly there it doesn't matter that you're uh, watching a story that takes Mm -hmm. place in a different cultural context than you were ready for what you learn is that like uh, mothers love their children fathers uh, want to take care of their children uh, kids are a little scared, but also uh, uh, very in love with their parents and don't want to disappoint them. And all this shit is like very, very universal, mm-hmm. despite the 
the different cultural contexts. And that's what really comes through in a, in a lot of this stuff in a, the greatest of ways. Um, later on, Namia goes through Kamran's, Kamran's phone and she realizes that Kamala offered to help return them to the dimension uh, and her son didn't tell her. So she's fucking mad. Uh, love this for Cameron. Sure, Winning yeah, some points. Love this I guy. I love it. Love it for 10. him. Now, sure, it's dangerous and it could, could literally destroy the world and it could kill literally a lot of people. Maybe everybody. Maybe everyone. Uh, but, but Namia says, and I quote, we're going to make her help us. I'm not asking anymore. Okay. Uh, Starting to see the truth for that old Namia. <laughs> Uh, so later, uh, after the, at the after party of the wedding, uh, we got lots of dancing, wonderful dancing, uh, d- big celebration. The newly married couple is involved. Bruno gets out there and in, and dances a little bit. Kamala, after uh, various dances, Kamala asks Bruno to dance, ah! and it's a wonderful moment. Only Kamran chooses that moment to come up and be like, "Hey, big problem." So my mom saw your text and she's coming here with the rest of the clandestine and I don't they're just going to kill everyone. <laughs> they, I think they're going to kill everyone. To be to be one hundred percent honest, I think they're going to kill everybody. Like, which is a say, crazy thing to hear. Absolutely terrible timing on Cameron's part, but can't blame him. He's doing the best he can. It's just He's sorry, doing, Bruno. But like he I, he came there to save everyone's lives and also very got very lucky. sorry, Bruno. But I got to say, Cameron, like. Again, you're absolutely right. Big points for him. Like this yeah, took a lot took, of this took guts to do. Yeah, this. and I kind of I love I actually love um I love the kind of reflection of what we're talking about about like Kamala's parents are so loving and accepting yeah. and and then to to also show this other side of it where it's the struggle that Cameron has of like loving his mum but being very aware of like what she will do to get what she wants. And pitting him against that to support his yeah. friend. I, I love my mom very much, an immigrant mother as well, a uh, child. But I think, and I mean this in the greatest way, my mom was a little closer to the Namia side of the spectrum <laughs> than the Medieval side of the spectrum. I absolutely agree. I concur. Shared experience. I, I would relate to that. And I, I just think that, I think Cameron's like, I think this is a really big sacrifice. And it's obviously going to be a, it's obviously going to be like a turn point moment in yeah. that friendship. So Kamala uh, needs a distraction, needs to get everybody out of here. So again, the clan doesn't kill everybody. She pulls the fire alarm, gets everybody out of there. Now there are various weddings taking place at this banquet hall. So like later on, we will see a bunch of wedding parties out in the <laughs> lobby. They're, they're, they're uh, you know, beautiful, perfect day, kind of ruined, but also their lives saved, even though they don't know that. But it's, it is very tough stuff to watch. Kamala ends up fighting with the clandestine uh, first in the the back hallways and the kitchens of this banquet hall to the tune of Maniba and Yusuf's love ballad. Bon Jovi's living on a prayer. (laughs) Uh, Kamala alone, like without the bangle, right? Oh, yeah. Would absolutely have zero shot against these centuries old interdimensional warriors. But with the bangle, she is able to really instinctively hold her own. Like we see moments where various clandestine are, are striking out against her, hitting her, kicking her, mm-hmm. punching her, swinging various weapons at her. And instinctively, somehow, the the uh, the newer the light is just armoring up 
that area that is being yeah, struck. Yeah, she and learns that's that there's like an armor today. Yeah, there's an that's armor. That's a big thing. That's a really, really huge uh, part of this the Bangles' power, and it's really cool. Namya kills the lights, and she says, "Listen, if Kamala, just like open the doorway, and we can end mm-hmm. this. I mean, it doesn't have to go any far any further than this." Um, the battle spills out into the banquet hall. Bruno arrives to give help, but he is no. He immediately gets like basically knocked out. <laughs> it's uh, very sweet, but yeah, it's it's yes. Done. Kamala then, after seeing her friend very specifically, friend get get attacked, summons the embiggened hand and uses it to molly walk well, the clinic. It's a really cool moment. The yeah. big embiggened for those of for those out there that were worried. Oh, we're not going to see the hand. The power is going to be different. That was it. That's oh, yeah. what it and they'd, like. they'd hinted, they teased it before with yeah. like her catching people. But this was that big, embiggen moment where, and she just, like you said, molly whop is the perfect word. She takes all three, four of them out. And I think something else that we see here, there was a group of people in the trailer. And for a long mm-hmm. time, we were theorizing, who's that going to be? Is it damage control? Is it the protect the other protectors of the universe who used to have the negabands? Is it... Um, people were like, is it an inhuman? Because they were walking through a mist, you know? So I think it was quite clear as we see them walk through the door that it was, that as we now know them, the clandestines. But yes. they are after the band. So we were a bit right. We were on we the, were we were on right. the right. We knew we that they listen. wanted the artifact. We just didn't know they were going to go for a 1994 Alan Davis comic as the I source think, material. <laughs> I think that our, our, if we have to look at our shooting percentage on 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 predictions, I would guess that we're like, we're like a decent to above average NBA three point shooter. We're about 37, 38%, maybe less than 40%, right? Yeah. We get a lot of things wrong, but we put shots up and we will continue to do it because it's fun. And also fun. the shots are the fun part. That's the, <laughs> thing. the like, fun part. I'm, we're never going to be like a hundred percent right because at ever, least, ever, at ever. least 50% of all of our theories are just like weird <laughs> yeah. shit we want to see, yeah. like, <laughs> but it's always based on the comics. But like, I have to say though, we have, we've theorized a lot of weird stuff and we'll get into this a little bit after, cause we're about to hit the end of the episode, but like. We have we have maybe never theorized anything as weird as the clandestine being I, like was, a thing, again <laughs> being we, a part we can, of this show. Let's talk about this in the conversation after the recap. Yeah. But it's definitely I was I was uh, bowled over by the clandestine. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Cameron comes in and he has some real moves. Clearly, he has been trained by his mom and the rest. He's uh, even got a weapon. He's got Signature a weapon. weapon. The clandestine uh, corner Kamala and Bruno, who has been knocked silly. He's in concussion protocol. Namia grabs Kamala's wrist and, you know, trying to grab the bangle off of her. And this triggers a uh, – it's not a vision but some sort like a portal opening suddenly and out of this portal is barreling an old time like steam train. Uh, yeah, and all of, and that that is there, and then all of a sudden it disappears. Then damage control shows up, and they are firing stun blasts. They are taking the clandestine out, and the clandestine and Kamran are going into custody. Kamala and Bruno escape outside. Nakia learns that, oh my god, my friend Kamala is the superhero. Why didn't you fucking tell me? What the fuck? Uh, later at home, Muniba and Yusuf ask Kamala. What the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> did you pull one? Did you pull the fire alarm? And two, what was that fight and the people that got arrested? And she's like, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to bed now. Let me pause here. This is where 
I thought, man, if this was me and this was my mom, who, again, is more on the Namya spectrum, I would have been getting like shoes thrown at me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> I would not have made it into the house. Like, no, absolutely. No, no. Hold on. Did you pull the fire alarm during your brother's wedding and now you won't talk about it? That's abs. You're oh, you're gonna talk about incorrect. it. Incorrect. <laughs> yeah, incorrect. You incorrect. will discuss you it. You are mistaken. Yeah, you will discuss it. Um, Kamala goes up to her bedroom and she's just lying there thinking about everything that's happened. She's at her lowest point that we've seen mm-hmm. her yet. Uh, but then uh, Nana randomly FaceTimes in and is like, hey. You gotta, you and your mom, you gotta come to Karachi. You come back, <laughs> come back home. What? Well, I was like, what? What? And she's like, did you see it? And she's like, wait, what? The train. Did you see the train? Which lets you know that we are going to Karachi, folks. We are probably going to Karachi. Now, is, is Aisha on the train and does she have the other bangle? I, I don't know. I think the train, so we know that that is when. Uh, when the when Nani went missing and then yeah. followed the trail of stars, so I definitely think the bangle is something to do with it, or somebody who had worn the bangle before had come to that. I there's something about the train that is really important to the story of who this is, and I, the fact that Nani's saying that Maniba needs to go too proves what we know, which is this is obviously something that at some point Maniba has been told about. And didn't yeah. want to know about it and didn't, didn't want to believe it, yeah. it and, and thought it was fantastical and, and perhaps like worrying rather than something real. I'm very excited to see them go together and hopefully maybe see Maniba accept like this part of her family history that she hasn't been able to and kind of, and not if not embrace, at least acknowledge that it's now part of Kamala's life. Well, I mean, the other part of that too is, I mean, if, I, I'm gonna. Here's here's a, a patented X-ray vision, forty uh, percent <laughs> prediction. I wonder if Maniba puts on the puts on one of the bangles. Like she's got it too, right? I she's would got absolutely the, love. Oh, definitely. They all have it. The, it's obviously a yeah. lineage. So I would not be shocked to see her as that healing step, you know, mm. of of coming to terms with her family history that she's been kind of ashamed of and. Putting on the bangle and becoming a hero, helping her daughter. Especially if it was in a moment of danger. Yeah. You know, the bangle might even be called to her. Also, we can can probably assume that we know that uh, an actor was cast as Red Dagger, who is like another teen superhero from Miss Marvel. And if they're going to Karachi, we can probably assume they're going to meet him. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and I'm interested in the comics, Bruno goes to Wakanda to study and he comes back with a Wakandan friend. I wonder if they're going to replace that with Caltech because yeah. to do that in a, you know, a six episode series, it's not so much. And then you get, it's going to be the love quadruple between, you know, Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> and now that we know they're not related, Bruno and, uh, and Red Dagger potentially too. So who knows? It's going to be, it's going to be exciting times for Kamala Khan. I'm very happy for her. Okay. Let's talk about the reveal uh, that Namya and these, the shadowy figures that we saw in the Miss Marvel trailer have now been revealed to be the clandestines. I was clandestines, <laughs> clandestines, which 
is, listen, everything that's not like Dr. Doom, Magneto, Kang, et cetera, is going to be kind of a deep cut at this point. But, but this is a wild deep cut. Rosie, yeah. tell us about the clandestine. Okay, so the the clandestine, um, which was first introduced, it was like teased in the uh, 1994 Marvel Comics Presents 158. The team's created by Alan Davis. and The great, the great Alan Davis. The great Alan Davis. And then they had their own... They went into their own series immediately um, called The Clandestine. In that, it is literally a clan. Uh, the the patriarch of whom is called Adam Destine, which is why that yeah. character Adam was likely a, a nod there. Though he didn't necessarily seem like the leader of the crew. It I think we not, can say that's Namia. Absolutely, um, yeah, absolutely did not seem like the leader of the crew. In, so this is really interesting. There's actually a lot of... Um, I was rereading the original 1994 run before this, and there's actually a lot of uh, that kind of Wonder Man stuff. Like we see versions of the heroes in the now where they're kind of super, they're superheroes, but they're also celebrities and stuff. But the the basic thing that you need to know about them that is being drawn on here is that in the comics, um, the clandestine is a secret immortal family of superpowered beings who are descended from Jin. Now, in one in a rare misstep. I will say for Alan Davis, who I find generally be quite a wonderful creator. The the issue where that is introduced is pretty problematic with yeah, its representations. It, it goes to the Crusades and the representations of people of color are not great. And that it's not necessarily like a respectful take on gin law. But I think as is the Marvel Studios way at the moment, they're recontextualizing something to put it into like a more interesting and relevant and authentic cultural space. And this speaks to another trend we're in the artifact era which we love but we are definitely seeing a lot more stories about people's lineage we saw yeah. it in shang chi it was really black panther was the first one with the ancestral plane you know and the, so i in think inclusion of dane whitman and the eternals exactly. i think is a, a yeah yeah and, and definitely it, this is very excaliburish yep so i think dane whitman is a great call and this idea of lineage and legacy and this definitely fits into that because what they've essentially done, and I think we can assume, we can probably safely say that in the first episode when we saw Kamala use the bangle for the first time and fall back into that world, we can assume that's the Noor dimension, which is yeah. the dimension of Jin, probably, and sort of similar to the to the ancestral plane for Kamala. So I think it's really interesting recontextualization. It's also not it's not unheard of. Though they were introduced as heroes, there's been times when they're antagonists and like some people, I think at some point they, they've been called supervillains. So it's not wild to kind of recontextualize it, but it's very interesting to see it, especially because, as we've talked about a lot, um, in the comics, Miss Marvel gets her powers through terrogenesis when a terrogen bomb goes off um, and lots of people get powers because it, it, you know, that's how Inhumans are made. And yeah. the Inhumans are a secret superpower, immortal, royal lineage. They, they live in the moon which yeah. I always think is really cool. I'll just always yeah. remind everyone of that. But it's kind of hilarious to me that the creative team here, the the heads at Marvel Studio, they managed to dig into the Marvel archives and find another immortal secret family with yes. like a magical lineage. I'm like, well done. It's not, you know, anything to, to not be an inhuman. So yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see how deep this will go and whether this Same. is a bit more of a Hawkeye situation where... We were seeing a lot of, obviously, it's already a lot deeper than the Hawkeye name drops because most of those were just literal name drops. But I do wonder if the history of the clandestine or the more intricate kind of 
centuries old, we'll get an exploration like the Ten Rings, or if this is more of just, it's important because it's Kamala's origin. Yeah. And outside of the show, we won't necessarily find out more. But I, it, it sets her up with powers that are far more in line with Monica and Carol, who we know she'll Agreed. be fighting alongside. And I think that's really exciting. Uh, well, I can't wait to uh, see where this goes. Okay, Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 6. Story by Stuart Beatty and Joby Harold and Andrew Stanton. Teleplay by Joby Harold, Andrew Stanton, and Hussein Amini. We open on Tatooine where Reva is on her feet, folks. <laughs> She's, She's banged doing up. great. Doing She's great. banged up, but listen, this is a Game 7 situation, and she's <laughs> a gamer. She's got to get it done, and she's going to grit it out despite having a lightsaber shoved through her guts. Uh, she's been led to Tatooine, of course, by the voice message on Obi-Wan's phone, and uh, she's Careless. looking for Owen Lars. Where's he at? I'm going to I'm gonna interrogate everybody here until I figure out where Owen Lars is at. Uh, meanwhile, uh, our baby rebels are fleeing Jabim for Tessin on Roken's cruiser. Vader's flagship is in hot pursuit and on board. Obi-Wan knows we ain't going to make it, folks. <laughs> the ship is taking hits. The inspirational uh, speaker is back. <laughs> we are not, not going to make it. Uh, back on uh, Tatooine where the sand is hot, but the Drawas are too. Young Luke Skywalker <laughs> is in town with Uncle Owen, precocious young man already. Uh, but a citizen, though, who has witnessed Reva's tirade in town comes up to Owen and is like, listen, you're in trouble. You got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. They're looking for you. Inquisitor's here. They're looking for you. Back on the ship, Ben informs Leia that, listen, I got to go. Darth wants me. That's the thing. Darth wants me. And if I leave the ship and go off somewhere to fight him, and I, I'll draw him off. And I promise you the 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 empire will stop pursuing this ship of of families that are terrified and they'll follow me and I can draw them off. Well, uh, they know, like they are looking for force sensitive people. So like I feel like this is not the most logical point. But I like I, the I, in, I like the I, intention. I like the intention and I think it's a strong bet. Like clearly he's overselling it, but I think it's a good bet. Yeah, and clear, if and, we're talking and, Anakin is obsessed with Obi-Wan. We know that. So obsessed. if he's in charge of where they go for now, they will be safe. Right. Uh, even Haja is like, Ben, don't do this. Uh, but it ultimately turns out to be the right roof. Back at the Lars Moisture Farm, which I have uh, which <laughs> I have named Casa Wet, uh, Lars tells Baru that we got to hide because the Inquisitors <laughs> are coming. We got to get out of here. We're going to go to, the, I don't know, somewhere in the dude sees There's got to be a cave somewhere. And Baru's like, shut the fuck up. You put are. Your big, no. yeah, put your big boy boots on and gut up. Let me get these guns out of the hole and we're going to fight it out here. And let me just stop and say, why are we even hiding the guns? <laughs> like, I know. Right? Isn't that fine? Out maybe here, keeping, no them, I know, like, keeping them there's from no the kid, maybe. Oh, that's, yeah, but in a in a, in a hole that's at like kid level. <laughs> maybe she was hiding Lock them from Owen. Because Owen yeah. looks at them like he's never seen a gun in his life. And Baru's like, here, pick your favorite. This is mine. Yeah, God, like, get your... <laughs> Get a backbone, Jesus Christ! Tighten your belt and Baru, let's go. She was you... coming out shooting like she yeah. just she. That I actually have to say that was like a. It really made the the inevitable spoiler deaths in the future oh, yeah. in the future slash past more heartbreaking because you. It's Absolutely. not just like oh that he was randomly there. It's like they cared so much about him and they they like fought. Though now I've seen how they Baru fought. is. They're fighters. Yeah. Now I see how Baru is. I'm like 
I don't think they ever yeah, would have got her. That's a different uh, body yeah, in that. Absolutely. In the well, room. That's the thing. They never got yeah. her. They never Whatever got her. happened back at Casa Wet in A New Hope, I will guarantee you now after seeing this that Baru was, had a blaster <laughs> like, you yeah. know, in her belt. Like, um, okay. Leia and Ben back on the ship. They have a heartfelt uh, a moment parting here with tears welling in Ben's eyes. He promises, listen, I'm going to return. Don't worry about it. That's a long shot. Let's be clear about that. But he does promise it. Uh, it then uh, Ben has a private moment to himself where he tries once again to get through to Qui-Gon, Master Qui-Gon, through the Force cell phone. He says, I have to face him, Master. Whether he dies or I do, this ends today. Now, stop here. Let's just put a pin in that statement. Whether he dies or I do, this ends today. I love the sentiment, but I think the accuracy is a little bit off, but we, I'll have Can you deliver, for, for, Obi-Wan? That's yeah, the question. I, Can you deliver? We will talk about that in all good time. Qui-Gon, of course, does not appear. So Obi has to do this alone, Roken waylays Obi as Obi's trying to leave. He's like, oh, come on, like let's stay with us. Let's try and fight it out. But Obi's like, no, I can't. But you, Roken, listen, you're fighting. Whatever it is that you have started here, keep fighting because this right here, this is the start of something. We don't know what it is, but it's the start of some. It's the rebellion. Ben. Yeah, it's the, it's I want to see Alliance. it. I want to see the. I want to see the Roken and Empress Nest like show. Yes. Like I want to see that. That's that. Please give me the early days of the rebellion show. I, I would love to see it. As expected, Vader does peel off to follow Ben, despite a little bit of persnicketiness from the Grand Inquisitor, who's like, uh, but. Uh, we're supposed to be following the ships. Surely we cannot risk the mission to follow one man, can we? And uh, uh, Darth Vader is like, um, who the fuck are you? Yes, yes. What, what have you done of any use uh, uh, in any of the time me? I know you? Uh, do I know you? What? Mm. Do, you, well, what, do you think that you have some kind of pull here? Yes, we are fucking following Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then they, they steer off. If you watch The Great Inquisitor in like the background, kind of like slightly, it's a two shot with Vader and The Great Inquisitor. And he gives this like, he sticks, he juts his bottom lip out like, mm, okay. <laughs> but he's like clearly not going to say anything because he's <laughs> fucking force choked. Um, back at Casa Wet on Tatooine, Lars and Baru are like, Luke, here's what's up. Stay here. But if shit goes sideways, then run. But don't run now. Run later. Only if we lose. Uh, Luke is very courageous, of course, but absolutely too young. And let's face it. He's a 10 year old boy, meaning not the he's not the sharpest out yeah. there. His, and his Leia, horse is not her. Leia would be like, Leia, are you mad? Give me a gun. Yes, Leia would be Leia, grabbing one of Leia's like, guns. Yeah, put me in the vent and let me fix something. <laughs> She's like, give me a ladder. And Luke's like, uh, I'll just hide. Yeah, I'll, absolutely Maybe not. actually the smarter choice in that Yeah, moment. you know, like, and, and this rings true because 10-year-old boys versus 10-year-old girls, the girls are going to be smarter 100% of the time. <laughs> Luke is not. Luke is not. Luke's like, I'm just going to have a nap. <laughs> Not about fine. it right now. Uh, and just then the perimeter alarms go off, and that means Reva's here. Back with Ben, he lands on some desolate planet. Vader 
follows, lands in his ship, and we get a big old lightsaber fight that is awesome and great. Master and former student are at the tops of their games. Ben's reconnection with the Force, his recommitment to his Jedi training is evident, and Darth is, I think, as fast as we've ever seen mm-hmm. him in live action. Fast like, is the word for sure. We've, we've never just, seen him like that in live action. We've never seen him. He's still brutal. We saw him in Rogue One be very brutal, but he was still kind of like extremely powerful. And I don't want to say lumbering, but... but no, he's, he's always had that li- Frankenstein. In the classic yeah. stuff, he had that Frankenstein element because he'd been chopped up. But now we know lightsaber is not actually that much of a damage. So you can just be speeding he, around. Right. He is liquid fast here. And it is a thing to behold. Back on Tatooine, a big old shootout has popped off. Reva is holding her own despite the uh, the gut wound, as we mentioned. But here I have to say, Again, Inquisitor Spin Tech, we, we talked about it previously. What is it Looks good cool, for? Looks cool, doesn't do nothing. Looks cool, doesn't do nothing. It does one thing kind of well, which is it parries <laughs> blaster bolts where you don't actually have to, like, you know, maneuver your lightsaber mm-hmm. to the blaster shot. You just have to point the spin in the, put that in between you and the bla- the person shooting blasters at you, and you can just like parry everything, and absolutely maddeningly, fucking Reva does not break out the spin tech. I don't know why. She's getting shot at and does not break out the spin oh, tech. Oh, you know what? Fine. I think Saul's right, actually. I didn't realize that. It's Vader snapped it in half. Yeah, but wouldn't it still work if you have the one side? If I you have yeah, the handle, it still would it work. should spin, right? Yeah, right, that's it should true, still actually. spin because the Grand Inquisitor in Rebels still spins yeah, it with just that. That's true. You know what with else? Just is the, the handle. This is the real truth. We'll get to this. This is a. This is one of the the many fun to pick apart like moments it's, of. Um, we love to do it. It's like it's like how can you continue the B movie sci fi fun of Star Wars? And have the narrative tropes that and and loopholes that are often used to allow things to happen. Yeah. How do they still work in a prestige space? I think the answer is with that this show's proven is like for some people it's fine, and for other people they're like, what is going on? We spin we tech. just like it though. We're just like just use the spin tag. It looks cool. Reva, man. use the like, use the fucking use spin tag. That's what it's for. Uh, back on this anonymous battle planet of pointy rocks, the fight continues, and it is it is crazy. It's drama. Among, it's easily among the best lightsaber duels we've seen in life. They are, and then one of the longest. They are sabering. Very they're long. Sabering. I mean, it's like a third of the episode. Yes, yeah, they're and just fighting. Vader is talking shit. Uh, we know that Ben's reconnection with the Force is nearly complete because he tries to drop a boulder on Darth Vader. Vader says, your strength has returned. But the weakness remains. Oh, big bird from Darth Vader. Vader then <laughs> force splits the ground, which is incredible. Drama. Touch the touches the ground, uses the force to to create a huge crack in the earth, which swallows up Ben into a huge crater. He falls down like 15 feet down into this huge crater. And then Darth is like, you're done, buddy. I'm about to fucking bury you. And then he just hurls tons and tons and tons of rocks on top of Ben Kenobi, talks his shit, and then walks away. Now, listen, I personally think, Darth Vader, you got to finish what you start. You got to make sure. This is Ben Kenobi. You didn't come all this fucking way. Fight with 
your entire Inquisitor Corps, stab one of your Inquisitors and fucking get dirty looks from the Grand Inquisitor to come just to come all the way here and not check if Ben is dead. But I get it. There's a lot of rocks down there and he walks away. Okay, fine. Ben and Anakin, yeah. They both have this problem. Now, is the problem uh, truly born of the fact that they both have to survive for the original trilogy to happen? Maybe. That is is part of it. But it is hard to watch them both consistently just not kill each other. At least, (laughs) I think you can at least, like, think. Something I, like, we'll get to it with what happens in a minute, but, like, this is definitely one of those ones where it's like in my shipping headcanon, I'm like, they can't kill each other because they love well, each other. But also I'm like, but you're both dumb. Like, I please- think that works. I, you're right. For Darth, that works for me. I because agree. what do we know about Darth, right? From the comics, from the mm-hmm. movies, everything else. He's, you know, he's when he meditates, he's in this world of of red Sith fire and pain with those little blue force mm-hmm. light butterflies flying around him and i think that this is i i buy this as a manifestation of that little pinprick prick of light inside yeah he can't he can't do it he can't do it he's done everything that should kill Mm obi-wan but when it comes to like actually cutting off his fucking head with a lightsaber he just can't do it right now i also think that's really real right now because like he can he can commit like faceless genocide but when it actually comes to like standing down one person who has harmed him he's terrible at that he can't do it those those personal emotional conflict is too real he can't do it right now. Back on Tatooine, Reva knocks out Lars, knocks out Baru, and flushes Luke from his hiding place, and Sky Guy Jr. goes off running into the night desert. Back on Battle Planet, fragments of memories, snippets of conversations running through Ben's mind. He ultimately focuses on a picture of Leia and his responsibilities towards her and towards Luke, and he finds the strength to free himself. Boom! The fucking rocks go flying. Amazing. He easily catches up to Darth Vader, who was not in any kind of rush to get back. <laughs> he was like, you, casual I mean, you stroll. Think, just a casual walk back to the shuttle. You'd think he'd be like, okay, job done. Let me hightail it back to the shuttle so Seems maybe useful. we can catch Roken and the rest. Like, maybe there's a, a shot we get him. Uh, but he is just like... Like, just casually walking back, like, ah, that was, let me take in the air. That was wonderful. But then he feels Ben behind him, and he turns, and then the fight is back. The fight is on, and it is Ben now who is getting the best of Vader. He, in an amazing display of strength, force strength, he, like, force throws Darth back into a boulder and then raises his hands and throws Every rock in the neighborhood at Darth Vader. So many Vader. rocks. So many huge, like, rocks the size of, like, Honda Accords are Yeah, yeah, these are boulders. They're Vader. boulders They're and rocks, you know. He's, legit, he's really showing off. Legit huge fucking rocks. And, and Darth is taking many of these on his bionic arm, so he's able to kind of fight through. And uh, the duel, he fights through the rocks, and then the duel continues. Boom, we go back to Tatooine where Reva catches up with Luke in the ravine. Young Skywalker falls unconscious. This gives Reva a, a free shot at Luke. And here it is, the moment she's been waiting for. This is it. She's been, uh, yes, she wanted to get Leia as a way to get Obi-Wan, as a way to get closer to Darth Vader, as a way to kill him. But this is good enough. This is pretty good. And here it is, but she can't 
She can't do it. Of course, mm-hmm. she can't do it. She images of Order 66 and Anakin Skywalker and that night of fear and pain and her own fear, seeing herself now as as the image of murder, uh, which has so impacted her mind and she just can't do it. Back on the battle planet. Ben is now beating the fucking brakes <laughs> off Darth Vader, who it who it must be said I love my guy. Listen, I don't love him, but I'm I'm intimidated and respectfully yeah. appreciative of how badass Darth Vader is. He kind of gets his ass kicked a lot, and here he is getting his absolute butt kicked. Obi-Wan is smashing the fucking chest buttons on his armor. <laughs> <laughs> and now all of a sudden the ragged breathing is there, and then he, boom, slices down on the helmet. The helmet is cut <laughs> open, and you can see Nolly. that purple potato head and that horrific gaze <laughs> through the helmet, and uh, you can't help but think if you've seen it of the moment in Rebels when Ahsoka does something very similar mm-hmm. years later, of course, and Ben is horrified at this vision of what his friend has become, his friend and brother. Anakin's gone, Darth says. I'm what remains. Now Ben's eyes fill with tears. He is, of course, weighed down by guilt and shame and the ways that he has failed his friend and brother. Now look what stands before him. And he apologizes. Uh, But Darth is like, don't know. Don't apologize because you didn't do this. I am the person who killed Anakin Skywalker. Me, Darth Vader, I killed him off. Now, of course, much later in A New Hope, this is exactly what Ben will say to Darth's son, Luke. He will say, Darth Vader killed your father. And this is very smart and very powerful and a really great way to underline what is one of the early, like, Hey, wait a minute! Moments in Star Wars where you, you know, where <laughs> You're you like, find Obi-Wan, out. Obi Wan, can yeah, Obi Wan? Hey, you wait doing? a minute! Where you find out that okay, Ben knew that Darth was Luke's mm-hmm. father, but then said that. So this is one of those. This is a great way to kind of yeah, so those context a, moments they're building in really nicely. It, it really hit for me. Um, so uh, Ben is beat the shit out of Darth Vader. His he's got like cuts on his back his back is like smoking his helmet is all smashed up he's fucking got an asthma attack right now because his breathing apparatus is smashed and ben looks at this person who is at this point easily a mass murderer having done numerous horrible things at the head of the inquisitorious cadre he's done um, he's done a lot a lot a lot of bad shit in service of the emperor and uh, Ben looks at him and is like, okay, I'll see you. I'm going to leave. Bye. I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'm like, leaving. See you later, man. My friend's and gone. I, and I'm like, your and, friend's gone. That means you can kill him. You don't need to I keep gotta him say, alive. I got to say, I get it. I do get it. At the same time. Man, Ben is lucky that nobody ever found out about this shit. Oh my you know what God. I mean? Like, and this is this brings me back to the thing we were talking about last week with forgiveness and how do you how do you talk about characters who are given a redempt who are redeemed in the story, mm-hmm. but also kill millions, if not billions, of 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 people. Imagine yourself as a rank and file soldier in the Rebel Alliance, right? You your family has been oppressed and perhaps murdered by the Imperials, 
by Darth Vader, uh, by the Imperial forces, by Emperor Palpatine, and you mm-hmm. want nothing more than to avenge them and free the galaxy. And then you find out that the Jedi's been doing Jedi shit again. Like that you find out that the Jedi's, while a, a, a terrible war crime has been committed against them, their leading figures, Ben Kenobi, who survived Order 66, and Luke even, let mass murdering Sith war criminals kind of walk away. They let it happen. It's because it's family drama. Like th- this is the problem. It is family drama. They're bad at it. But if you're if you're a rank and file soldier, I would be pissed. You'd be like, hold on, we lost Alderaan so that you could let Darth Vader walk Don't away. Even you let get him me fucking started. walk also, away. Can you think about how disrespectful that is to uh, Leia, like the yeah. person you're allegedly doing all of this for? Like, I understand that in this moment, right? Like then. The notion is still like that is their father, and we yes. see him kind of bring up and I understand his quandary, but also he should have just chopped off his head. Like, he really right should here, have just chopped it. it off. End it for the billions who will die on all. And I get it. You know, Moff Tarkin pulled the trigger. I get it. Yeah, we know. But like Darth Vader was right there. He was standing next to it. You know, like they were trying to get information out of Leia, who's just a, too yeah. much of a real G. So that never happened. Like. It was they're all to blame, and then also I gotta say, Ben, you're lucky nobody knows about you're this. You're lucky because also <laughs> then think about this. Then it's not just those people; it's like the five planets that Kylo Ren blows up because he's inspired by old granddaddy. I have to say, I did think about Kylo a lot this episode. I was thinking about how happy he would be if he knew that Darth Vader's helmet got smashed. I was like, oh, he, he would have been <laughs> yeah, so happy. He'll never know the little emo, but he would have been so happy. Uh, back on Tatooine, uh, Ben is in route. Uh, he gets a a, a force uh, a warning that Luke's life is in imminent danger. This is the moment when Reva is standing above him and he arrives back on Tatooine. He finds Lars and Beru anxiously calling out into the into the desert sands. Luke, Luke, Luke. And dawn is breaking. Ben is like, I'm going to go run into the dune sea and look for her. But then Reva appears and she's carrying Luke. And she says, listen. I'm sorry for all the child torture, kidnapping, the, the off-screen but probable murders, the kidnapping, the evil stuff, the recent home invasion, hunting of down Casa, my own people of and Casa Wet, which by the way could have easily resulted in Lars and Peru's death. I'm very sorry that I invaded your home just moments ago. Uh, plus the concussion and lifelong trauma that I likely inflicted on Luke by chasing him into the Dune Sea, threatening his life. My bad. It was all part of a plan to avenge my fellow younglings and I couldn't go through with it. And then it's a weird note here where she's actually devastated that she couldn't go through with it. Like she cries like, I couldn't do it. Also, like, I want to know, I want to know, like, did, did she put the connection together that they are Anakin's kids and that's why she wanted to do it? Because otherwise I'm like, I don't know why. I I think she knows that there's a connection. She knows that they're important somehow, but she doesn't know how. Yeah. Uh, Ben then tells Reva, don't worry about it. Uh, this Ben's is like, just go, the, kill some more people. Yeah, That's this what is I do this. Chill, Listen, man. <laughs> you actually honored the memory of your fellow younglings by not becoming like Darth. And she says, That's a good what point. I think is, is, and what I think is a very, a line that really carries a lot of weight. She says, have I become like him? Now, the answer is 
almost and kind of like you did do a lot kinda. of bad. You did do a lot of bad shit. But but Ben is like, no, you're you did not do in that, that moment. Then, he sees he knows the right thing to say to put her on the right path, does. which exactly. is like you have a chance here because really she was hunting down Jedi. She was hunting down younglings as an inquisitor. Luckily, they're bad at it. So she probably didn't find too many. <laughs> but but no, I, I do like that in that moment, Ben finally makes the right choice. And he's like. It's okay. Like you, right. you can he, be he a good person from now yeah. on. You know, like I would like to know what's going to happen next with Reva. You know, well, I, would, Re- I would like to see see that. She gives happen. up her. She gives up her uh, inquisitorious Spintech three thousand lightsaber, and she knows it's not. She's like, this is useless. Free. And now here again is another. Here again is another Jedi bullshit moment where I'll just say <laughs> it's a good thing that the rest of the Rebel Alliance never finds out that fucking Ben Kenobi let a former Inquisitorious walk. because That's the gotta, reason they were all running away with their children, Ben. <laughs> I gotta say, if it was me, I'd be like, listen, you did the right thing. Kudos to you. Uh, hey, what's that over there? And, that, and let's just put an end to this. <laughs> let's because, remember, like, Broken's wife was yes. stolen by the Inquisitorious and potentially Let's, turned into one. Like, Can somebody are, face justice just once? That's one all time. I'm asking. One time can someone time. pay the price for the many, many, many crimes that have occurred across the galaxy. The, That's all I'm asking the for. The sad thing, I think, is that you, you raised such a good point about last week. The sad thing is when we actually look at the history of Star Wars, the people who often end up paying the price are people who They're regular were, people. People yes. who were bad who actually decided to do the right thing and then they yes. end up the dying. Tala, yes. you know, the kind of tragic, like, people who turn their back on the Empire. And it's like, for once, I'd just like to see a space Nazi die. I would love to see that. But, like, you know, it's always, you know, Admiral Raddus, the Bothan spies, mm-hmm. uh, Jin Erso, the heroes of Raddus, all yep. the rest. Those are the people that pay the ultimate price that face down evil and put their lives up, lives up and say, I will pay the price Mm -hmm. for justice in the galaxy. And unfortunately, it's a lot of these, the very powerful figures, the Jedi, et cetera, who just, they let their fellow powerful people get away with it. Isn't that real? Isn't that sadly real? It's very sadly real. Back at Fortress Vader, Darth is back in some some fresh he got some fresh armor out of the closet he's facetiming with palpatine and darth is a little hot he's coming in a little <laughs> hot he's like we got the probes out i'm search scouring the fucking galaxy we're gonna find this guy he's not gonna escape us we're gonna get him and the palpatine's like hey can i just ask are you good <laughs> like you're coming in a little hot he's and like, I, I feel like you're a bit distracted from the whole like you. dark side mission like <laughs> i gotta wonder are you is your closeness to this weakening you a little bit? And then Darth is like, uh, let me just assure you, Palpy, Emperor Palpatine, Kenobi means nothing. I serve only you. And then with just the right drizzling of irony, my master, (laughs) the way he puts my master on it, it's... Perfect delivery. You got to be careful with Palpatine because one of these days he's going to pick up on it because Uh that in and of itself is just that hint of rebellion against Emperor Palpatine. I also think it's a really good moment where it's like Palpatine's probably like, 
oh shit like Kenobi used to be his master look at how obsessed he is with getting him and now it's like now I'm his master like this is probably not gonna end well for me (laughs) yeah Uh, on Alderaan which is a by the way a beautiful planet I love Leia so much all of Alderaan we get this wonderful moment of Leia getting dressed in the classic Princess Leia soldier gear but Smaller size, age <laughs> tiny, baby size, all white, all white gear with the white cloak and the white jacket and the little leather gun holster, and she's doing her hair in the iconic Leia braid buns, and then uh, Ben arrives, much to Leia's delight. She thinks it's she's like talking to uh, to Bale, and she's like, "Who's this? Is this going to be cousins?" He's like, "Not yet." And Ben gets off the ship, and he brought Lola. Now I have notes, <laughs> uh, Leia. You, I get it because you're 10, but you got to fucking come clean about exactly what Lola's role uh, in how Jabim got like. Like, it's a little fucked up that you're not that you're not like. <laughs> she learned from it was, Obi-Wan. It She's just Lola. like, Lola's fine. <laughs> if Lola it's still had little, the red eye, she'd be like, it's, it's okay. It's just, I get it because she's a kid again, but it's just a She's not like, so by the way, the way the Empire hacked into Jabim's security system was Lola. It was was fucking Lola. It was Lola. (laughs) That's also the way they they tracked this. Just FYI, it was Lola. Don't you should know. Does not mention it. Uh, uh, Bale bags of money Organa is (laughs) is talking to Ben and he is is fearful of the Empire. He's like, listen, the Empire is getting bolder. They are getting stronger. They do they are reaching out into the galaxy and fucking with the internal politics of various planets. I'm scared of them. Ben is like, I get it. It is a scary time, but if you need me, you know where to find me. Then Leia is like, Ben, I think you need to go take a nap because <laughs> she's like, you are old. Let me tell you, if you don't sleep. get some sleep, you're going to look like fucking start out like Guinness in 10 years. <laughs> He did not take the advice, readers. Spoiler alert. And that listeners. is an he old man. He did not take the advice. You're going to look super old if You're you don't be start old. sleeping. Yeah. Uh, so then he uh, he tells Leia in what is a really touching uh, bit of dialogue here. He's like, listen, you got these different traits from your mother and father. You know, your mother is discerning and uh, your father is courageous. I would have by the way, said that her the mother also fearless, mm-hmm. also very courageous, but mm-hmm. that's okay. Ben, of course, does not tell Leia here who exactly her parents mm-hmm. are. He's like, you got all these traits from them, and so you're this, this perfect combination of them, and I wish I could tell you more about who they are, but I can't. And then uh, Leia says, it's okay, you don't have to. Which, I gotta say, if it was me, I'd be like, motherfucker, tell me. Just tell me who they are. <laughs> Just tell me who they are. Was one but of they... them that guy that was chasing us dressed yeah, all in black with a lightsaber? Is he gonna destroy my planet in 10 years? Please give me a heads up. <laughs> and, did you, and by the way, did you not finish him off so he can, can did you absolutely wreck my home world in 10 years? Anyway. You know, could have told Bail or Ghana, could have been like, you don't need to worry about the Empire. I killed Darth Vader. And yet. P.S. My fault. <laughs> Your your entire planet got waxed in 10 years. Anyway, they agree to keep their uh, friendship top secret back on Tatooine. Uh, ben is back in his cave. He has packed it up. He is moving somewhere deeper into the Dune Sea. We, we presume maybe someplace where he can more easily keep an eye on Luke from afar. He puts on some normal clothes, some non-Jedi finally. clothes for once. Yeah, finally. And then he goes to Casa Wet for... Uh, for a meeting with Lars. And by the way, my guy, Obi-Wan Kenobi, 
This guy loves nothing better than to ride a four-legged alien. This oh time, my a God. skinny elephant. This he is loves, like his kink. He will he always find the weird, weird alien to ride on. Loves to do this. Where was he during Order 66? Riding a fucking iguana. <laughs> <laughs> when Reva asked him, I would have loved yeah. <laughs> riding a giant lizard. I was, where, where were you? Why didn't you help us? I was riding an iguana. <laughs> sorry, man. I, to, just, I just yeah, love to sorry. Run. Also, like, uh, I know this is one of those ultimate questions that, like, people like us talk about all the time, and it's one of the funniest things to talk about. It's kind of like you can talk about it with Pokemon or Flintstones and yeah. Star Wars works as well. Which aliens can you ride? Which aliens know, right? are sentient, right, and would be, right. like, in the Galactic Senate? And which ones do you decide you're just going to ride? It's like, it, it's it's the ultimate logic question of, of Star Wars or any of these places. So Ben uh, has a conversation with his brother, question mark, Lars. And uh-huh. Ben admits, Lars, you're right. Luke needs a, a regular for Tatooine childhood. <laughs> he just needs to grow up like a regular kid. He doesn't need to be hanging around. I promise to steer clear. But of course he's going to keep a watchful eye. He knows that Lars and Baru... More Baru than Lars, but he knows they can handle. They can they handle can raising handle Luke and keeping him keeping him safe. Uh, then Lars, in a wonderful surprise, like truly a wonderful. I don't know how this. I haven't fully processed how this works canonically, but this is this was a wonderful moment. He says, "Hey, do you want to you want to talk to Luke?" And Ben says, "Yes." So he goes over. Uh, he meets the young man and then rides off into the Dune Sea. On the way to the ravine across the Dune Sea, he runs into Master Qui-Gon freaking finally. And he's like, hey, I've been trying to reach you all this time. Where the f- What's up? And Qui-Gon's like, yeah, but you weren't ready for it. Sorry. I've been watching all this stuff happen and you just weren't ready to hear from me yet. That's the way I roll. I'm Qui-Gon Jinn. I've always been a little bit of a maverick, a little bit of a rogue, and that's how I do things. I'm showing up much later than you expect. Hey, and by the way, you have a lot of things to do so and and miles to go before you sleep, so let's get to it. And they just go off like a funny <laughs> like just, buddy comedy. It's just like they go off. off. They walk together. Um, and that is uh, that has been the end, the event finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoy yeah. your thoughts. I thought it's very fun. I think I think I, I enjoy it. Like I I don't feel like it. You know what? I, I guess the, especially as we were going through the recap, the thing that I really love about this that I think they did very smartly. And hey, maybe it's a bit cynical, right? But I think it works for the most part. I liked how much context they built into the original yeah. trilogy. Like when I was yeah. thinking about it, like. Here's why Obi-Wan didn't really get involved with Luke. One of the big questions we've always had. You know, that moment where he says to Bale, like, you know where I'll be if you need me. And then, you know, him and Leia kind of keeping it a secret, but still having that connection. Like, that stuff worked really, really well for me. I don't necessarily think... I think this show started off really, really strong. And I don't necessarily think that this is in the, the best of the best episodes from the season. But I I had a really fun time watching it. I do think it fell into a lot of the the Star Wars tropes of like, why didn't you just do this? But that's how it's yeah. always been. That's how that's Star Wars how has always been. You have to have those kind of pulpy, this is, you're not watching this for like a puzzle box mystery. You're watching it because you want to see 
Baru pull out like a blaster and you want to see someone yeah. have like a 10 minute long lightsaber fight. And I didn't know this was something that I would ever get to experience, but you want to see baby Leia choosing her own clothes, you know, get, throwing that. away the older on garms and just like putting on her own, her own little style. So like, I, I just thought it was really lovely. I think it's very fan servicey, but I am also a fan. So I'm always just like, I am a fan like, and I would like to be serviced. I like to be serviced. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> I'm always just like, people are like, it's fan service. I'm like, I'll take Good. it. Nine, yeah, nine, like, nine times out of 10, I'm like, yeah. It's like, yeah. uh, cool. I want to see Obi-Wan and Anakin have a fight. That's cool. Uh, I that like lasts the boost. entire third act. I, um, <laughs> I, here's what I really liked about this series. And it's, I think, I think there's a through line here about, about from my perspective, my opinion, what I think is some of the strongest Star Wars material. And it is that, pre-rebel alliance mm -hmm. into a new hope era yes. that, that was so wonderfully explored in rebels which again is some of the best star wars out there that is absolutely so incredibly executed in rogue one which again is probably the best star wars movie and only gets better and richer the more you watch it the, with time it gets better and better and here again we're seeing this the the stirrings of this nascent mm -hmm. uh, rebel alliance. D there's no name for it yet. It's just people who have decided enough's enough. We're going to help people no yep. matter what that means. If that puts us on the other side of the law, then the law is unjust, and we're going to fight. We're going to protect people. We're going to do good. It's the same thing with uh, what I thought were some of the most interesting moments in uh, in Solo, a Star Wars story with Emphis yep. Nest, as you mentioned. Emphis Nest I, is I, just, I love that stuff so much. Yeah, I think this is such a rich period of time and seeing how I, I loved focusing on Obi-Wan and I think Ewan McGregor, as we've said many times, just like. Mm -hmm. nails it so many fucking ways the tears yeah. in his eyes the way everything all of his failures come crashing down you can read it on him is great but like meeting Roken meeting Sully exactly seeing the path seeing how all of this stuff comes together feels so rich to me and to, to your word like providing that context of a family drama a friendship drama all these like mini conflicts within the larger mm -hmm. uh, firmament of this galactic uh, rebellion that is just yeah. beginning to stir. You know, I've always, uh, th that's the stuff that I really like. I, this yeah. is why I, I like Clone Wars, why I like Rebels, and why I, the what I loved about Obi-Wan. I would love to see, like, I would love to see a show just called The Rebellion. Doesn't need to be called Rebels. Yeah. We have Rebels. Rebels is brilliant. Like you said, it's some yeah. of the best style. Definitely has one of my favorite finales of all time, which I always say. But like, I would love to see that explored more. I would love to see a show about how rebellions really begin. I would love to know more about Roken and Sully. I would love to see Emperor's Nest. I, I love that notion of um, it's the ultimate question, you know, uh, yeah. what is a terrorist? What is a freedom fighter? Like those show are the me. questions that are at the heart of Star Wars. And I think that, that we all, a lot of people, what we've always said, right? And they do this in the books. But a lot of fans, we've always said, like, we want to see new characters. Now, Taika yeah. Waititi is talking about how his that's what he's going to do with his Star Wars movie and stuff. I would love to see the shows commit to that. I would love... And, and we, you yeah. know, The Mandalorian. We got it. We get new versions. But, like, I want to see 
the people. I want to see the soldiers who have to fight. I want to see, I would watch a show about the, you know, stormtroopers or the first order troopers or the clone yeah. troopers. Like, I want to know about the people who have to live this who are not the big headlining heroes. Not the Jedi, heroes. not the That's why Rogue One is yeah, so yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And that is, to your point, it's a big galaxy Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of space to explore. Yeah, the show outer me, rim, show me. you know, we're waiting yeah. to see it. Like, What is Saw Gerrera up to in these years uh... preceding Rogue One when he is, you know, one of the few people to really see what the Empire is? Yeah, means, and him, you know? you know, you could have him when he was still in cahoots with the Rebellion, yeah. you know, when he thought that working alongside them was right before those, before those arguments you know, changed. And, and I think that there is an exploration in, you know, in the wider genre space. Like, definitely, obviously, things like Umbrella Academy have been doing it for a yeah. long time. Who's a hero? Who's a villain? But that seems to be coming more to the forefront in Marvel. We talked about it with this idea of these morally gray heroes. And that is a big thing that they're teasing with Black Adam as well, which is this notion of, like, who gets to choose who's a hero, who's a vigilante, who's a murderer, what is collateral damage? And I think that, is going to be Star Wars would be very smart to explore that more because they've been doing it for decades already but we've got the time and space and the platform with Disney Plus yeah and Super Producer Source and Peacemaker too yeah you know and Suicide Squad I love that new Suicide Suicide Squad movie you know I think those stories are really ripe for the telling and I think people want to have those conversations now so Star Wars is a great place to do that and I hope we get more of that kind of storytelling I'm really excited this is this is why I'm really excited for the Andor series because yes. I feel like this is more of that. That's more absolutely that what it's going to be. In that early rebellion space when people of unclear uh, moral standing come to a crossroads and just have to decide, am I going to keep doing this or have I had enough? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's some of the richest like ground for Star Wars stories. And I, absolutely. I'm really excited to see it. it was a, this was fun. I really enjoyed uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I am legitimately surprised at how many like twists and shocks they gave us considering we absolutely knew that <laughs> like the top three characters in it could not die. Yeah, we're literally, not going literally, to, literally, literally could not die. And le- legitimately that like most like most if not all minus Reva of the Inquisitors also could not die. Like yeah, to it, be honest, it, like to build stakes in a space where everyone knows who survives amazing. and what happens, that's pretty cool, man. That that's an achievement. I I I um I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I loved being able to talk to you about it. Yeah, me too. And I loved so being much able fun. to uh, talk uh, have all of you who are listening listen mm-hmm. to us talk about it. Big thank you to all of you for uh taking yeah. this journey with us to and a big thank you, of course, to Rosie Knight uh oh. for co-hosting this episode. Rosie! Shall we plug? What do we plug and plug, Let's plug, plug. plugs? Um, Godzilla. I think you can actually still yeah! pre-order. You can still pre-order it. Godzilla versus Batra. Uh, you can pre-order it. The information is on my uh, Instagram, which is Rosie Marks M A R X. It's coming soon. I mean, it's going to be out in the first week of August, and we're going to have some cool like event type thingies, yes. like hyping up some of our favorite shops, stuff like that. So it's going to be really good. Rosie Marks is also my letterbox. And the last thing I'll do is let's plug because this is for like a billion dollar movie or so, well, or a very high budget movie. But I will say I was very delightfully surprised to learn. 
when I saw Vivian Lyra Blair as Leia, I was like, I love her. Like what? I, I feel like I yeah, innately so love appealing. her, right? Yeah. But I didn't realize there was a reason for that, which is if you haven't watched it, Robert Rodriguez made this unreal family superhero movie that they released on Christmas Day on Netflix in 2020 called uh, We Can Be Heroes. And it is like incredibly oh. pure, kind of like a Disney Channel original movie vibe. But Vivian Lyra Blair is in it. And she's like oh. five and she plays a superhero called Guppy, who is like the kid of this is a this is a, for those out there who know the uh, the Rodriguez kids canon. This is a shark boy and lava girl kind of spinoff. And Guppy <laughs> Guppy plays this kid. But she did a lot of the stunt. So they did all these practical stunts of her flipping all these adult men. And it's like, it's oh, wow. so good to watch and her character is so cute. So if after watching this, you love Leia, you love Vivian Lyra Blair, you think Robert Rodriguez's kids' movies are cool, Saul likes Sharkboy and Lava Girl, thank you. <laughs> you know, I would, i definitely Spy Kids this, is, Spy Kids Spy is elite. Kids, I mean, iconic. I could, I, it's I mean. It's truly, I got, Spy Kids is legitimately great shit. The cast. So yeah, I would just say that is really fun, especially if you've got little ones or you just like cute, pure things. So yeah, yeah I, I, and I, I was when I found out it was her, I was so happy. I was like, oh, this all makes sense. <laughs> and P.S. We'll be having uh, some giveaways and stuff once Godzilla drops. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time because messes happen because hey listen remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like i'm serious if that leaks over the counter it'll be a slimy abomination by the time i get back and i was like yeah 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 of course don't worry about it i won't forget <laughs> well oh yeah that happens so start clean with clorox use clorox products as directed rinse after use if in contact with food surface